This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. Today, my friend and pop culture guru, Rebecca, is back in the co-host seat and we have got a great show for you. It includes a sizzling summer premiere and a super cheap way to beat the summer heat. Later in the show, we're answering your questions about awkward moments in making friends with other couples, how in the heck you are supposed to potty train your toddler son, and finally, what advice we have for someone wanting to start a new blog. All of that coming up on episode 13 of Sorta Awesome. Hi, Awesomes. We have such a fun show for you today. I'm here with my wildly wonderful friend, Rebecca, who is going to start us off, as always, with Awesome of the Week. What do you have for us this week, my dear? My Awesome of the Week is something unexpected that happened to me this weekend. Okay. So, as you know, I blog at simplyrebecca.com, and every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, I will create a video for my blog that I'll upload to YouTube and then share in a blog post. So, I have a YouTube account, you know, for that purpose, and I have it set so that I will receive email notifications whenever I get a new subscriber. Yeah. And, you know, if you had like a million subscribers on YouTube, that would probably be really annoying. But I, <laughs> but I have like hardly any subscribers at all on YouTube. So for me, it's not such a big deal. And late last week, I started getting emails saying I was getting new subscribers. And I was like, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that pleasant? I wonder how they found me, whatever. And I didn't even really think too much about it. And then I got more. And then I got more. And I was thinking, some of these names don't even sound right. I must be under some sort of like spam attack. Like, I wonder if there's a problem. Mm, Yeah, yeah, totally. And then I was laying in bed on my laptop and I got another one and it was close to midnight on Saturday night. And I was like, I have got to figure out what is going on here. So I logged into my YouTube account and started investigating the analytics 
And surprise, one of my videos from 2011 had gone a bit viral for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. So though you know how when you're on Facebook and you see those articles come through your newsfeed and they have like these link bait type headlines that'll say something (laughs) like, you won't believe what happens when this four-year-old opens his mouth. (laughs) You know, things like that. Yes. Okay. So a site that creates those types of articles did that for my video. Oh, okay. And they used the headline, mom takes a two liter bottle of Coke and creates something every kid will love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that headline is pretty amazing. I gotta give it to the lady. (laughs) Yeah, so the, um, the video is how to take a pop bottle soda, bottle, whatever, um, and turn it into a sprinkler. Oh, right, right, right. I remember that one now. Yes. Yeah. Tell us how it works. Give us the rundown. So you just take an empty two liter bottle and you poke holes in it. You can use whatever you want, but I like to use like little, um, like corn cob holders, you know, that you use to hold on to your corn. You know, they have those little, you know, pokey ends. Pokies. Yes. Yeah. You poke (laughs) A bunch of holes in it, and then you duct tape it to a water watering hose, gardening hose, and then you just turn it on, and the water just sprays out the top. Okay, so 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 cheap, like a ninety-eight cent sprinkler system there. Exactly, and actually, we don't really drink that much pop, so I always ask my neighbor, "Can I have one of your recycling (laughs) bin?" And they think I'm strange, but I do it every year for my kids in the summer, and they just think it's absolutely great. So fun. So this video just took off. Apparently, we're not the only two who think that that's such a fun idea. Um, so yeah, people were really digging it, apparently. They they were. Um, the video before this happened had a little over 13,000 views, which for me, I thought was phenomenal because yeah. my presence on YouTube is, is very small. Um, so it wasn't my highest viewed video, but I think it was my second highest viewed video. So you know, 13,000. Well, as of today, it has um, 90,000 views. Wow. Yeah. 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 So you're feeling pretty awesome about that. I I am. It's a lot of fun. I've seen like spikes in traffic before on my blog, but I've never seen something like this on YouTube or even on Facebook. Maybe somebody bigger than me blog wise will link to one of my posts and they'll like tag me in the post and then I'll get a a surge of new likes on my Facebook page. But I have never had something like this happen to me on YouTube. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. And it has to be especially fun and meaningful for you because as you all who are listening may remember, Rebecca loves YouTube and enjoys YouTube culture a whole bunch. I do. (laughs) Yes, I bet this is not, I mean, just for a normal, you know, not normal. (laughs) That's not what I mean. (laughs) For the average blogger who throws a video out on YouTube every now and again, this would be fun. But I bet it has been especially fun for you. Yeah, I feel like, oh my goodness, I'm actually like doing something in the YouTube community. People are watching. I don't know. It's it's been been a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. So I'm hoping... My dream here is that it'd be awesome if that video could reach a hundred thousand views. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the Maybe it's so. the views have significantly started tapering off. So I don't know. It might take a while, but I, I could get all the way up there to a hundred thousand. That'd be so much fun. So fun. Well, we will put the link to both your post and to the video in the show notes. So if you would like to see Rebecca's video that has gone viral for her on creating this. 
a super, super cheap and simple sprinkler for summer, we will put that in the show notes. So you'll want to check it out there. Okay. My awesome of the week is one that, uh, is something that you and I both enjoy. It's something that I am so thrilled about and have been looking forward to for months actually. And that is that in just a few days, this weekend is the premiere of season three of Orange is the New Black. So, yay! (laughs) Listeners cannot see me, but I'm like doing jazz hands over here. I'm (laughs) so excited about this. (laughs) Yes, yes. So we're going to talk about Orange is the New Black for just a few minutes. And just as a reminder, this is totally a grown-up show. So if you've got little ones running around, just a word of warning that we're going to be talking about a grown-up show, but we're not going to be very grown-up about it, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Rebecca and I have, in the past, talked about our uh, shared love for Orange is the New Black. If you're not familiar with the show, Orange is the New Black is a Netflix original series. We've had two seasons of it so far. Season three is the one premiering this weekend. It's based on Piper Kerman's book about her real-life experiences um, and then then she becomes the character then is Piper Chapman on the show. And she wrote this uh, Piper wrote this best-selling memoir called Orange is the New Black, which Netflix developed for an original series. So I thought since Rebecca and I are such fans of the show, we could talk just a little bit about who some of our favorite characters are on the show. Um, and so, Rebecca, I know that you and I had talked about this a little bit. Who is your favorite character on Orange is the New Black? Okay, now we're going to keep this, like, spoiler-friendly, yes, right? Yes, this is spoiler-friendly okay. because uh, I know there's a lot of people who are passionate fans of the show, but there are quite a few people who have never seen a single episode. So, yes, right. spoiler-friendly. Okay, so my one of my favorite characters has to be Crazy Eyes. Yes. And... An episode or in the first season, um, I wouldn't say she was not one of my favorites. She kind of has some like erratic behavior and like you just don't really know much about her or what she's thinking or what's going on in her head. And then in the second season, you get a little glimpse into her backstory, which is kind of what that entire premise is what I love about Orange is the New Black is that you get these really beautiful character developments that happen over time and these glimpses into the backstories of all these inmates um, that it's just it's just phenomenal. The writing is phenomenal. So in season two, I, I felt like I felt bad for her. I felt like I saw a reason for her, her craziness. And I, I developed some sympathy for her and saw that deep down inside, just like everybody else, all she really wants is to feel loved and to feel accepted. And I just, I just thought it was really touching. Yes. Yeah, it is. She has a fantastic story. And I love what you said that season two is when you really got to know her. That's how I felt like it was for my favorite character, who is Tasty. Um, and just to back up a little bit, I don't think we made this clear, although, like I said, we've talked about it in the past, that if you're totally not familiar with Orange is the New Black, it does take place in a penitentiary. So what you have as the story unfolds is, of course, you start following the main character of the show, who is Piper Chapman. But her story is really only central in season one. And you you do begin to meet a few of the main characters. 
as season one unfolds. I really loved season two even more than season one because you really get to dig into the backstory of so many more characters and just more chapters of everybody's story plays out. For me, my fondness and affection for and sympathy for and love for these characters grew so much in the second season. Um, so my favorite character is Tasty. Her real name's Tasha. She is an inmate at Litchfield, which is where all of this takes place. The actress who p- portrays her is Danielle Brooks, who does a fantastic job. And, you know, in the first season, we don't see, we, we see her as sort of one of the uh, fringe characters. We, we know who she is. We're familiar with her, but we don't get really much of her story. Um, this is a teeny bit spoilery, but the fact that she's in season two, you, you would figure this out. But so at the end of, towards the end of season one, Tasty's release date comes up and she's so excited. Everyone is thrilled for her. She's so excited to be released and to go back out into the real world outside of the prison walls. And then as season one is closing, we see that she's back. And when she comes back, she says, um, everyone I know is poor, in jail, or gone. And so you get just a little bit of a hint that she did not have much life waiting for her outside of Litchfield. Well, then in season two, her roots and her story. Oh my goodness. It's so heartbreaking, but, but also so inspiring. She's an orphan who, just like you were saying about crazy eyes, was just so desperate for love and acceptance. And she ends up being taken in by somebody who has a terrible influence on her life. But then to see how she continues to grow and really grow into herself as a woman throughout season two, and really learns how to stand up for herself and Oh my goodness. I'm getting chill bumps just talking about it. I love I'm Tasty so excited. So I know, I know. She's she's a fantastic dynamic character. So I can't wait to see where things go in season three. So just Orange is the New Black as a whole. It's just, it is set in a prison, but it's filled with all kinds of um, interpersonal um, drama, the things that are actually happening in the uh, inside the walls of the prison, and then building on the backstories, there is sometimes dangerous things that happen. There is love. There's betrayal, um, but it's not really it's not soap opera e. You know what I mean? Right, it's, it's right. So, no, it's not. It goes to a, a much deeper level than that. And we've talked about this before. And it is a, it is totally a grown up show. Extremely mature. Extremely mature. That's a very good way to put it. And it's not for everyone. Absolutely. Um, Good point. So um, there is a lot of language. Mm -hmm. There is um, nudity, not in every single episode, but probably in most. A lot of intimate Mm -hmm. um, sexual activity. And again, this is a women's penitentiary, so you can... You know, yes, exactly. (laughs) And that alone is probably a huge turnoff to to some people. So um, although Megan and I have fallen in love with the character development and the characters of this show, um, it's not for everyone. So you should proceed with caution if you choose to give it a try. Yes. But if you give it a try, please do start with season one. And I think you've said before, season one, episode one really kind of lays it out there for, hey, this is how, this is how much nudity there's going to be. This is how, you know, the language, this is, this is what you're, you're investing in. So if this is outside of your comfort zone, you can move on. So excellent. Yeah, that is such a great point. Yes. We've said that in the past. If the first episode is a bit much for you, 
it's probably not a great series for you and that's totally fine. Uh, and we talked about that on a different episode that everyone has their different comfort levels for what they're okay with and what they're not. So if you make it through that first episode, genuinely the writing, the acting, the storytelling, it is phenomenal. But again, not everybody's taste and that's totally yes, okay. It, yeah, it's <laughs> not for everybody, but it's for you and me. We it seem is, to really like it. it is. So June 12th, this Friday. And again, one of those just really crazy things about um, the way we watch TV and experience culture now is the fact that season three will just, it'll be out the whole season on Friday. I know. I'm trying to come up with like, what what's my binge plan going to be? Like how many episodes a day am I going to allow myself? Yes. Because when I started the first, when I first started, there was two seasons available. And at one moment, one point I said to my husband, Nate, I have spent so much time watching this show. I don't know if I need to like significantly cut back or if I should just like keep going and like <laughs> plow through and just recognize that I'm going to be unproductive for the next several days. Uh-huh. And my loving husband, oh my goodness, he's so good. He said, just go for it, Rebecca. Oh, that's just, a good just, man. Just press in and finish it out. <laughs> Nate is a good man. He understands when you get in binge mode, especially with a show like this. You can't turn away from it. So that's good stuff. Right. Well, right. we have to be out of town for part of the weekend. So I'm like, you know, okay, we, maybe we can watch a little and then we'll really get into it next week. So Kyle and I do try to kind of like parcel it out. So it's like, you know, two episodes a night or something like that. So we can make the experience last a little longer. <laughs> oh, now see, you're a good woman because I watched the first episode and I thought, my husband could really get into probably the storyline and like the character development. But I don't want to wait for him. So (laughs) I didn't even ask him to watch it with me. I just started going and I'm like, nap time. Mama's watching an episode on the couch. Like I am not waiting for my husband. And I just steamrolled ahead without him. I love it. I love it. Okay, so that we better wrap up our awesome. That is a lot of awesome. And I just want to remind everyone too, um, those of you who are listening, that Every single week in our Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout, every week we start a new thread to talk about everybody's awesome of the week. So if you are listening and you have something awesome going on that you'd like to share, please join us over there and tell us exactly what your awesome of the week is for the week. So wrapping up awesome, we are going to go ahead and move on into our question and answer segment of the show. As it turns out, all three questions that we're going to cover this week are from the Tumblr. So if you go to sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com and click on the Ask Us link, you will have the ability to type in your own question and submit a question to the show. All three questions this week are from the Tumblr, so we're going to just dive right into these. The first one is from Tumblr user Nick Rach, and she writes... Recently, my husband and I were out to dinner with some newer friends. The wife seemed to be in a bad mood from the beginning, but as dinner progressed, she kept putting her husband down and making him look foolish in front of us. What would you have done? Should I have said something? It was very uncomfortable for my husband and myself. So, Nick Rach. That is awkward. (laughs) So awkward. (laughs) I think probably all of us um, have been in a situation like this, whether you're married or not married, if you've been out with a couple, 
sometimes the dynamic between the two people, who knows, like, you know, in this question, I like how you're assigning positive intent. Maybe the wife was just like in a super bad mood. Who knows what happened before the dinner? Maybe right. this was unusual that, um, that this is the dynamic between the two of them. Everybody has bad days and that's just how it is. It's just life. We're human. Very true. Um, but I think probably all of us have been in situations where, where we are uh, with another couple and it just gets super awkward between the two of them. So Rebecca, I'm just going to throw this out there to you. Uh, have you been in this situation and was it a situation where you felt like you could say something or did you think I'm not really going to say anything? Well, in the moment, no, I, I wouldn't have said anything and I haven't said things in the past. Maybe in the moment, the only thing, maybe I would try to say something nice to the husband right, since he right, seems yes. to be like yeah. getting pushed down. Um, <laughs> but I can just guarantee you that later in the car on the way home, my husband and I, we would just be yuck, 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 yuck to each other about it all the way home. Right. Oh, did you hear me? She said this and then this and this and this. And what does he think is going on? Um, but in the moment, yeah, it's, I think you have to have like a really special relationship uh-huh. and a really special amount of confidence in yourself to be able to like yes. call somebody out in that right. moment and say, what is going on with you two? Yes. Yeah. I can't think there, I don't know that there are many couples that I feel that close with that I would be able to be like, what's going on? Why are you acting like this? Right. Um, and you know, it makes it really awkward because like she said in the question, these were newer friends. So she may not, you know, hmm. really know the whole dynamic. Um, we have some really good close friends that their like usual dynamic is um, they, you know, the, the wife is will always be like, Oh my goodness, can you believe he said this? And da da da. da. And it's just like the normal thing that she's picks on him, but he's so funny and outgoing and so gregarious and just handles it all. It's sort of like, that's their thing. You know what right. I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. going to step in and correct that. They've been married for a long time. It works for them. And it's right. Sometimes I do feel like it gets a little awkward. And so sometimes, you know, for with them, well, I'll maybe like try to change the subject or something. <laughs> good move. Good move. <laughs> but other than that, um, you know, I think that overall, I don't know that I would say anything unless if it is a super close friend and it and if it did seem out of the ordinary, I might privately later be like, gosh, it seems like something might be going on. Is there anything that you want to talk about or right. is there anything that you you know, what needs support in, or just, you know, offer a listening ear. But besides that, I just, I don't know. But here's the thing, Rebecca and I are saying, we don't know that we would have said anything, but let's, let's open it up to y'all. Would you have said something in the midst of an awkward dinner where either partner is being, you know, grumpy and uh, putting down the other person? Tell us on Twitter. I'm at sort of awesome Meg. Rebecca is at Simply Rebecca. Tell us on Twitter or find us in the Facebook group. We for sure are going to talk about this question in the Facebook group. Yes, uh, we will. Tell us what you would have done because it's it's something, like I said, I think it's pretty universal. We all find ourselves in these awkward situations. And then it's like, hmm, what should we do? <laughs> exactly. <Very laughs> squirming in my seat. Don't know what to do exactly. <laughs> so... I don't know how helpful that is, Nick Grach, but I hope that it gives you a little bit of insight or at least helps you to know that you are not alone in feeling like, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our next question was submitted anonymously through the Tumblr. This listener writes, do you have any potty training advice? 
I have a two-year-old son who is well aware of what's going on and when he needs to go, but he refuses with his whole body to even try and sit on the potty or even to use a bathroom on the lawn. Instead, he screams <laughs> for his diaper. Help, please. Aww. My daughter basically potty trained herself overnight, so I'm lost here. Um, I'm going to say that um, I don't have any advice on boys, so I'm going to let Rebecca talk about this for just a minute. And then I actually asked a friend of mine to join us on the show really quickly to give her advice. Uh, but the girls, Daisy was much closer to three, and we probably did it in a weekend. She was very resistant to doing it, to potty training. So it was closer to three with her. Eliza Joy is one of those kids that you just like hear urban legends about, but you don't know if they're true. <laughs> when she was about 18 months old, she literally just decided that she was done with diapers and oh, was an overnight again. trainer. I know, I know. I hate you. I know. <laughs> I don't know how in the grand scheme of life I got blessed with one of those, but she was super easy. So now the boys are two. They turned two in February. And... I'm freaked out because I have heard my entire adult life that boys are so difficult to potty train. And I have two of them. And Eliza Joy is the last one that I worked with on this, except I didn't work with her. She did it herself. So I'm completely freaked out about it. Rebecca, tell me a little bit about your experience with Noah. Okay. So my experience with Noah has been a bit challenging. Okay. He will sit on the toilet and he will perform for me and he will go well, but he does not care two hoots about staying dry in between those trips to the bathroom. So we actually started, Noah turned three this past April. And so we started a little bit before he turned three. We started before Christmas. I think it was actually November and you know, he was performing well, but then he was just having accidents like all of the time. So we took a break, and I am just now starting to get more serious about it again. I kind of waited until the warmer weather, less clothes, you know. And one thing that I am working on really hard with him is that going to the bathroom on the toilet is easy for him. That's not the problem. But just going is not going to cut it for me. (laughs) I need him to also be clean and dry in his underwear between his visits to the bathroom. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to only reward him when we go to the bathroom, he performs, and his underwear is dry. Gotcha. Yeah. So he still isn't, I mean, it's not happening in a weekend for us. Um, So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, what Laura Lynn, your friend, has to say, some extra tips about potty training boys, because it's not easy. It's not fun. Um, But my philosophy of rewarding for clean and dry is something that I'm working on. Okay, that's a good approach. I don't know that I've heard that one talked about as much, so I'm going to totally keep that in mind. So now we're going to move over, and um, we are going to talk to my friend, Laura Lynn Fanning, who writes a blog and is one of my longtime blogging friends, turned real life, wonderful friend. She writes a blog called Vita Familiae, and in it, she just tells the story of family life with seven kids. Four of her children are boys, and the oldest two are twin boys. So I figured that she was the perfect person to reach out to and ask this question, what do we need to know to get these boys potty trained. All right, Laura Lynn, give us your best. What do you got for us? 
Okay, well, I can definitely say that potty training twin boys was my, it was my crucible, my hill to die on. <laughs> sure, it was yes. the moment that nearly killed me in parenting. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry to not be the bluebird of happiness. I know. This is not very hopeful for it's me. It's truth, my friend. But I was also a novice. I had never potty trained a child before, That's which true. meant that I had something to prove. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> that is not the case now that I'm potty training the fourth boy because I actually tried with him and realized, oh, he doesn't get this. And we just, it was okay for me to say, you know what, I'm going to let it go. It's not worth digging my heels in. Um, when I decided to potty train the twins, they were a little just past two, which I honestly think it was a little early. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I was pregnant with our fourth um, and I had a eight-month-old, and I was panicking about foreign diapers. Yes, I would be too. That that would inspire me to be really ambitious too with potty training. Terrified. <laughs> but I'm not sure that the heartache and the, and this is the honest to goodness truth, the relationship struggles that I had with the boys because of it was worth the victory in the end. I did win right. um, because I'm the mama and I'm bigger, but it was a long struggle and it brought a lot of tears and frustration all the way around. And gotcha. I don't know that it was worth it. Um, you know, obviously they've forgiven me. They've moved on. Um, and hopefully they don't remember it at all. Right. But, but I just, I, I would say that to any mama who just really you know, just feels like it needs to be done now. I learned right then and there, wait until they're three. And I have used that successfully then with all my children. Um, and actually, I, I tried to break my own rule with my seventh. I was impatient to be done with diapers, and I tried to potty train him. And he just, he wasn't quite three yet, and he just didn't get it. And he was like, we, he, he couldn't, he didn't realize he was the one making the water. He was like, we make water now, Mommy? And I'm like, yeah, you just don't understand. <laughs> so I went ahead and, and, and gave up and said, we'll wait until he's a little older. And he, we're getting ready to try in another month or two. But um, what I did was I, um, I set up a, a schedule. First of all, clear your schedule. Okay. I'm going to do it. It is full on it, commitment. It is full on. Um, you know, you have older girls. It's probably okay. I did a couple of mine with my older children around once they were old enough to understand and they could cheer and make it a big wow. party. But if you've got lots of little toddlers, find somebody, ask Find somebody to take your kids for a day or two to let you give it your full attention. Um, and actually, now that I'm homeschooling and don't have time, I have, I'm going to confess, I have paid a babysitter or one of my sisters to come <laughs> and do the actual, That's you know. That's brilliant. Yeah. Because I just, I literally can't be in five places at one time. And right. if it's going to make me yell, it's not worth it. If right. it makes me break relationship with my kids, then I need to come up with another plan. So, um I, um, but like for the twins, I set a timer and every 30 minutes we would go, do not wait around for them to tell you that okay. they don't, they don't do that. And you're just going to get frustrated. Take them every half hour, give them lots of juice and show them success. That's going to, that's going to result in somebody hitting the hole. Um, so yeah. also don't torture yourself with like, we're going to sit on the potty until somebody goes. No, you go and say, okay, we're going to practice going potty. And you run to the potty and you read them, um, whatever your limit is, three books 
And then you say, okay, thank you for practicing with me. And if nothing happens, then you get up, you pull their pants up, and you wait for them to go in the corner and pee. And then <laughs> I promise you just make it not a big deal. You just okay. say, okay, well, look, it looks like your pants are wet. Let's go change them. And if you don't react with emotion, then they will learn to not think it's a big deal. If you start tying emotion to it, then it becomes an emotional thing. And then that's when you get kids who are afraid to poop on the potty or do whatever. Right. Um, so you just sort of did the parenting is just one big Oscar nomination in my opinion. <laughs> We're just, just great actresses. Um, so just act like it's no big deal and then, um, celebrate the victories. Um, I do reward with a little chocolate chip or an M&M for pee in the potty. And then I have some like, you know, Reese's cups that I keep stashed. Um, and then I have a potty dance mommy dancing and doing whatever her ridiculousness is it makes a memory yes it, makes it does oh and my older children hate it now but they all <laughs> come running to see it so you can't tell me that they don't like it they um, deep down they love it <laughs> and that they hate it um as far as nighttime i say focus on daytime first get that down really good don't sweat it about nighttime mm -hmm. um I buy little beetle training pants. I'm not even sure you can get those anymore, but I buy some good quality training pants, not pull-ups, um, but cloth stuff that I can wash, but that will shake off pretty easily. Um, and then I put a waterproof layer on the mattress. We do pull-ups at night until I think that they're really good during the day or I notice that their pull-ups are dry at night. And then we'll start switching to worrying about the nighttime stuff. Put puppy pads down on the bed, a waterproof layer on the mattress. Um, and then I think get a good potty. The Baby Bjorn potty. Oh, yes. God, those are supposed to be really good. They're worth every penny. I had I have two little blue matching ones for my twins, and those suckers have lasted me through seven kids. No wow. Lie. So they are a fantastic investment in yes. the potty department. Yes. <laughs> yes. For sure. And just, I mean, you know, don't rush it. I mean, I think if you buckle down and you say, for two or three days, I am going to do nothing but, mm -hmm. then you will see a lot more success. But then boys just, they take a little while longer for it to check in. That's why you wait until they're older. Three at least. Because at least. they just, they don't, developmentally, they're not putting those pieces together. And I've read the books that say you can do it when they're 18 months old. I sure. I read that book. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I insisted that that was true, but it took me three months to make that a reality. And by then they weren't 18 months anymore. Right. So really, who won that battle? So. <laughs> awesome. So, those are my, those are my tips. So would you say, so say a little boy hits three and they, you know, mom decides to give it a weekend. So like say three full days if it's still not clicking after that weekend, do you then back off and say, okay, we'll try again next month? Or what do you think? Before I used to say, oh, you dig your heels in and you win. Uh -huh. um, because you don't want to appear wishy-washy. Uh -huh. um, but with my, like I said, with my seventh, which he has broken the mold on absolutely everything. Um, he has been my exception to every rule. We started a little early and it was clear he didn't have any understanding, even after three days, that he was the one making the thing in the potty. Mm -hmm. And if that was the case, if, if there's just a total lack of understanding, then then I say you can let it go and try again. If, however, like they're hiding because they know they've had an accident uh -huh. or they're, you know, 
they're they're excited when they do something in the potty because they understand what they did. Right. Yeah. Then I think they understand enough that we dig in our heels and we we Keep we power it. through because if you show that there's wiggle room, then mm-hmm. it's certainly easier for them to go in their diaper. Well, sure. Yeah. That's what they're going to choose. So you want to you want to be a, a strong force, but okay. there is also that time to show grace if you go. You know what? He just doesn't get it. Right. So you're really looking for that connection uh, between yes. what they're doing and you know. The, the cause and effect of right. the whole situation. Not that they're not having accidents, but that they seem to cognitively understand that I did this. Yes. I put this in my pants. Yes. That's- Got it. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I can totally see how that would be the big signal that you're waiting for to know if you should press forward or back off what to do. Yeah. So yeah. that is so awesomely helpful. I so appreciate that advice. And you know what? That takes the pressure off me for the rest of the summer because I Good. thought this is the summer there too. Everyone says, oh, boys are easy in the summer. You just let them run around naked in the yard. And I'm like, but should we try it? I don't know what to do. So now I'm just like, no, nah. I'm going to take Laura Lynn's advice. <laughs> it's not worth it. Trust me. I have horror stories that would just curl your toes. You don't. Just, okay. <laughs> I'm giving you the freedom to say no. Thank you. I'm going to take that freedom and I'm going to run with it. So we are not going to worry about it for now. So Lori, then thank you so much for making time for this today. I so appreciate it. I know there are a lot of mamas out there listening right now who are so thankful to hear this advice from you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Bye. Okay. So thank you again to Laura Lynn. Thank you so much for that advice. And hopefully that helps somebody. But if you have the secret to potty training boys that you want to add that you could share with Rebecca and I or anybody else who needs potty training tips, again, find us on Twitter or in the Facebook group. Let's talk about it. We we need all the help we can get. (laughs) So, okay, last question. And this is something that Rebecca and I could talk about forever. And it's about blogging. So this came to us through the Tumblr from Julie. Julie says, hello, Megan and the gang. I've been contemplating starting a lifestyle blog and wanted your opinion or advice. How does one get followers when just starting out? What's the best platform? I know you probably get this a lot, but I would love your advice. Thanks. So just to back up a little bit into her question. So Julie wants to start a lifestyle blog, which I think is so fun. And that's really what sort of crunchy eventually turned into, although it started out and and for many years was really focused more on this sort of crunchy mom niche of blogging. Eventually, as I became mm, a little bored with just talking about crunchy stuff, I just started to talk about more lifestyle things, which that covers a whole variety of topics that can be fashion, it can be pop culture, it can be recipes, Anything that contributes to creating a lifestyle that you want to share with others, it all fits under that umbrella of lifestyle blogging. So I'm a huge fan of the lifestyle blog. Um, And, you know, Rebecca and I both have a lot of experience in the blogging world. So we do have some thoughts on this question from Julie. In fact, Rebecca has made an amazing list of tips for anybody who in 2015 wants to start a blog. Before we get to Rebecca's tips, if you want to know about just like the nuts and bolts logistics, the technical logistics of starting a blog, I'm going to send you to the woman who is the expert Mm -hmm. on the logistical side. And her name is Amy Lynn Andrews. Her website is amylynnandrews.com. In fact, if you just go there, or if you just Google Amy Lynn Andrews, how to start a blog, she has everything you need. In fact, her most updated 
tutorial for getting your blog started is in fact for 2015. She updated it in, at the end of March in 2015. So it's all um, fresh links, everything that you need to know for starting a blog right now. She's got all the logistical stuff that you need to know. Rebecca has some tips to help you get going as well. So Rebecca, share with us what you've got. Well, first of all, when you are starting with your blog, I, I would encourage you to think really hard about the name of your blog and what your blog URL is going to be. This is something that should clearly convey perhaps what you're going to blog about and it needs to be something that you absolutely love because if you decide later that you want to change it, that is a really big task. And so investing right away and spending the time to make sure you have what you want is really, it's, it's well worth, it's well worth the time to just pause and take a moment and be sure that you love your name. And then after you've decided on your name, I would encourage you to claim your online real estate. And what I mean by that is signing up for social media under your blog's name or whatever you want your brand name to be and, and claim that as a username. Um, you, you, you simply can't be everywhere and do everything well in terms of, you know, being like, top-notch tweeter on Twitter or having a huge Facebook following or YouTube or whatever. It's very difficult to do social media on all the platforms really well, but it's nice to have consistency with your username so that when people do try to look for you and try to find you, they can easily do that. So I would encourage you to sign up just so that you have the account. And then if you don't use it, you don't use it. But if you decide that this is the one that you've fallen in love with, then you already have it and you have it in your name. Just recently, I signed up for Snapchat. And the Snapchat is huge among like 20-something people. I'm not 20-something. Um, <laughs> but I thought, you know, maybe I should give this a try. This seems to be growing and growing. I, I logged in, I signed up, and I haven't logged back in since. But I'm glad that I have my online real estate there claimed. That so. is such good advice. And I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago, but that is fantastic. Um, the next thing I would do is start a newsletter right away for your blog. And newsletters and email lists, you'll hear a lot of talk about it. You just Google that. And I'm sure Amy Lynn Andrews has a ton to say about it. But if you start right away, then it's just going to build and build and build. And that's like one of the number one ways that you can be in touch with your readers once once you're starting to gain readers. And I would start that right away. There are a lot of different options for places where you can have people sign up for a newsletter. Um, Mad Mimi is what I use. And MailChimp is also very common, um, very popular among bloggers. Another tip I have for you is to talk to other bloggers and to build community and networking there, bloggers that are in your niche, even bloggers that aren't, but just, you know, leave comments on their blogs, engage with them, develop relationships with other bloggers. This is really important. It's important because you can learn so much. I'm part of a mastermind group from other bloggers that I, you know, have built a community with and have learned so much from them. Um, you can write a guest post, which means that you write a post 
that is published on somebody else's blog. And if you write a guest post for somebody, that's a way to expose your content and you as a blogger to a completely different audience. And then those people hopefully will click over to your blog and fall in love with you there and subscribe to you. And if you have a relationship with these bloggers before you pitch them a guest post idea, then it's much more likely, you're much more likely to win them over. That is so and, true. I, I hate to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. But I do have to say, you know, having done this for a long time, for eight years, that um, the ones, the the pitches for guest posts that I was most likely to say, sure, yes, I would love that, came from people that had been commenting on my blog, who had tweeted at me, who had reached out to me in some way. Now, well, you don't have to try to be my best friend. Nobody has time right. for that on either end. But if you just had made some kind of connection where there was some authenticity behind the pitch, those were the people that I almost 100% of the time was like, sure, yes, I would love to. What can I do to help you get this uh, written? And we will get it up and and. I will direct every traffic uh, venue that I can towards your blog, um, just from having a little bit of a baseline friendship there to start with. So that that is really great advice. Right, and I would say that the you know the biggest ways that my blog has grown has been through networking with other bloggers. Um, but one good place to start, because you're acting, asking how do you initially start to get people to start reading, is I would start with you know your own circle of family and friends. If you have a personal Facebook account, share the links to your blog post there. Just you know tell people you, in person. You can add your blog URL to the bottom of your email. Um, what's that called? The, signature. Your yeah. Signature. Yes. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. But I would say, you know, networking and building community with other bloggers is really just so important. I mean, you never know when one of your blogging friends might decide to close down their blog and start the world's best podcast <laughs> oh <my> ever <laughs> and ask you to be part of it. You just never know where those relationships are going to take you. I know where you're you. going with that. I was like... <laughs> You're funny. But yeah, really, seriously, networking is so big for a variety of reasons. Um, And if you want to get into blogging, I think it's good to have that mental mindset of like, do I want to do this as a hobby or do I want to grow it into something else? And if it's something besides just like your own personal sharing pictures and details from your daily life, if you want it to be something beyond that, I think it's great to think of it in terms of networking. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a really positive thing. Yeah, and I would say that blogging just for the fun of it is very, very satisfying. Sure, yes. It really, really is. Um, so those are those are just some of my tips. You really can just spend like all day, every single day learning about blogging, spending time on your blog. It's a never-ending to-do list, but it, the reward really can be very, very great. So have fun. Yeah, I love that, Rebecca. Those are some fantastic tips. And this is this is so funny because um, we've talked about personality type stuff on here before. Rebecca is ESFP. I'm ENFP. And it's so interesting to me that I had tossed this question out to her earlier. I was like, think about some things you might like to say. I immediately went to like the broad, like philosophical things about starting <laughs> a blog. Rebecca immediately makes a list, which is totally, <laughs> totally the difference between the N types and the S types. I was like, this is perfect. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One, one practical thing I did want to speak to in Julie's question is platform. That's a question that I get asked a lot. Um, I started on Blogger, 
back in 2006, which is free. It is still free. It is Google's blogging platform. It has changed radically since the 2006 days. And it is a perfectly viable basic platform if you just want to dip your toes into the blogging waters and give it a try, but you don't want to invest a ton of money in it start on blogger. It is totally fine for getting started. And there are people who stay on blogger for years and love it. And there is nothing wrong with that. Now, I will say that Amy Lynn's advice and probably like 99% of the blogging advice out there in the world, everybody but Megan (laughs) is going to direct you to WordPress. It is the standard. It is what almost everybody uses for blogging. I'm just going to tell you that I'm allergic to WordPress. I know how to use it. I actually do know how to use it because I've written for The Art of Simple for years and other blogs um, that use WordPress. So it's not that I don't know how to use it, but there are some extra steps in setting up a WordPress blog. I'm not gonna go into the nitty gritty details of it, but if if you do not want to mess with those steps or hire somebody to do that for you, There are two other platforms that I would recommend looking at. Now, these are paid platforms, but with with paying for these two different platforms, and these these are totally unsponsored, by the way. This is just my own personal opinion. Um, But when you pay each of these two platforms, you get customer service that is really on the spot that's there for you to support you, and you get a, a wide range of templates to work with. So if design is not your thing, if if fiddling around with code and Working with code on the back end is not your deal. These two do all of that stuff for you so that you can really focus on the content that you're creating. The first one I'm gonna talk about is TypePad. I have been on TypePad since 2008. That's where Sorta Crunchy lives and will live on into eternity, I guess. (laughs) If you go to sortacrunchy.net, you'll see what a TypePad blog can look like. Now, one of our other co-hosts, Laura, her blog platform is also TypePad, hollywoodhousewife.com. We have been on TypePad for years. I love TypePad. I am a huge, huge fan and advocate of their platform. They make blogging super easy. Um, Anytime I have ever had a question come up, I had an answer from them easily within 24 hours, sometimes within four hours. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel like they do, they, they make it really easy. If you have a post go viral, the only post that I'd ever, ever had that I think went truly viral was a year ago, June, when I wrote my 15 tips for highly sensitive parents. It took off, it went nuts, and I did not have to think or worry about for one second if my blog was gonna go down because of the traffic levels, which sometimes does happen when you have a self-hosted WordPress blog. Yes, it does. The other platform I wanna talk about is not one that I've used. It's one that if you're a podcast fan, you have probably heard mentioned over and over again. So I'm just gonna mention it briefly. (laughs) And that is Squarespace. Squarespace is obviously a huge supporter of the podcast community, but they really have done a great job of honing in on the creative community. They have put together all kinds of templates and um, services and features that if you're a creative in any sense of the word, I think that Squarespace is a great place to land. Again, this is unsponsored. I don't have a discount code for you. (laughs) They will help you build it beautiful. That's right. Yes. See, they've gotten into our brains now with all this podcast advertising. (laughs) But um, 
I've poked around at Squarespace a little bit. I, I think at some point in the future, I may open up a new, uh, new platform for myself on Squarespace. Not quite ready to do that yet, but everything that I've seen so far, it looks like a fantastic place to be. So if you are sort of the rebellious, non-traditional type like I am, and you don't want to do WordPress, which everyone else in the world does, there are other options out there for you. So I had to speak to that really quickly. And so just to finish up um, talking about blogging for Julie's question, I think that it's really important on a philosophical level to really know what your purpose is in starting the blog. Like Rebecca said, if you just want to do it for fun, if you just think you have gorgeous children and you would like to share their pictures, or if you want to keep friends or family connected to what you have going on in your life, that is awesome. And you should totally go for it and do it just for the fun of it. Julie is asking specifically about starting a lifestyle blog. And so I would encourage Julie and anybody else who's thinking about getting a blog up and running in 2015 to just really think about what your purpose is and who is your ideal reader. Who are you creating this content for? Who are you writing this for? Think about who she is. Create in your mind, create a profile in your mind of what she what she's into. Where does she hang out, both offline and online? Think about where she is most likely to be, especially in the social media platforms, and really invest in hanging out there. Like Rebecca said, nobody can or probably should be on all of the social media platforms all the time. That is not possible. Right. So especially when you're first starting out, think about your ideal reader. Where is she? Is she on Facebook? Well, spend your social media time developing a really cool Facebook page that she actually is going to want to engage with. Think about the articles that you can share from there, the questions that you can ask, um, the uh, pictures that you can share that are going to draw her in and help her to fall in love with you and with your message. Focus on creating great content for your blog and then on one social media platform to start out with. Now, hey, if she's on Facebook and you kind of get the hang of that and you feel like, yeah, we're really, we're going full steam ahead on Facebook, I feel like I can branch out, then that's the time to do it. Then try your hand at Twitter or whatever social media platform you want to get into next. But I really think when you're starting out to start with one and make it great. And then really know your mission so that you don't get discouraged because Julie and others that are listening, I'm just going to be honest, Starting any new project from scratch can be really discouraging. So when you focus on your mission and focus on your message, even if it's not a message that you are overtly, you know, writing about over and over again, as long as you know in your heart and in your mind what your message is that you're getting out there, you can stay focused on that because there's going to be discouraging days. There are going to be days when you think, why am I even doing this? I'm spending so much time on this. What am I doing here? I'm I'm laughing a little bit to myself over here because that's so true. I have joked time and time again that like my blog is sleeping on the couch. Like I'm just like so mad. And how long have at you been doing blog. this, Rebecca? I've been blogging for about five and a half years. So it's not just when you're starting out. Throughout right. your journey blogging, there are going to be times when you are doubting, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Is it time to be done? Which I'm the first to say, sometimes it's legitimately time to be done and to move on, but sometimes it's just a lull and that's just how life is. And sometimes you just back off and refocus on why you're doing what you're doing. So that's my philosophical, my intuitive in type input for those right. who are interested in starting a blog. 
Well, and one thing I would say to kind of piggyback on that is I think that a big thing that steals the joy out of blogging can be the curse of comparison. Oh, absolutely. Yes. There is a really popular quote by John Acuff that says, don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. And I feel like with blogging, I have done that time and time again, where I have looked at bloggers who are several steps ahead of me, and it has just completely sucked all the joy out of it, where I think, I'm not as cool as them. People don't like me as much. I'm not, a good of, I'm not as good of a writer. My photography isn't as good. My platform isn't as big. Just anything. And the thing is, is everybody had to start somewhere. Absolutely. Yes. And instead of comparing yourself to somebody else, what you should compare yourself to is yourself and where you were maybe last week or last month or last year and try to just build and improve from there, which is easy for me to say here right now. But in the moments, it's really hard to do. Um, so if you feel yourself in those moments of, I'm not as good at this as anybody else, <laughs> I can just say, you know, I've been there. And I think that probably almost every blogger has. And it's hard. Just make your blog sleep on the couch and maybe you'll feel better the next day. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you, as you were saying that, I thought of another resource that's great to check out, and that is Cat Lee's podcast, How They Blog. Um, I don't know that she's currently creating new shows for that podcast, but she's got quite a series going there. And you can listen to other bloggers, people who have been doing this for a long time, talk about their own challenges and discouragements that they have faced along the way, too. So that's something maybe you have started, maybe you're feeling discouraged, uh, or maybe you're just super curious in how other people do it. Cat Lee, How They Blog is a great podcast to check out. I'd start at the beginning and just listen, because there's a few episodes that she does just on her own that are really fantastic, too. So Most definitely. I highly recommend her. All right, Rebecca, I think that just about does it for episode 13. So fantastic. Yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you guys are having a wonderful June and we'll see all of you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode of Sorta Awesome are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. While you're there, don't forget to click on the Ask Us link to submit your question for us to cover on an upcoming episode. If you are enjoying the show, it would be so totally awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And don't forget, if you want to discuss today's episode, you can find me on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Meg or join our community on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to pragermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.